Welcome to the Migration Generation podcast. My name is Carly Crawford and this is a collection of conversations between expats who have left Africa and those who have stayed behind. I hope that you'll enjoy this podcast and please do subscribe and don't forget to share with your family and friends. Welcome to the first episode of Migration Generation. I thought I would share my personal story with you for this episode so that you can have a better understanding of where I'm coming from and my qualifications as they are to, to run this podcast. So um, there it goes. Uh, my name is Carly Crawford. I am 38 years old, married to my husband Bradley, and we have three little girls. Well, they're not little. Um, the first, uh, the eldest is my bonus daughter. She's just turned 16. And then we have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, they were both, the younger two were both born in Zimbabwe. The eldest one is born in York. Um, so yes, that's, that's our family dynamic. Um, but here's a little bit more about my story. So when I left Zimbabwe in 2000, I left to explore the world. Zimbabwe was spiraling into chaos with the violent land grabs of the white-owned farms, the government opposition fighting, and a sense of fear as the future we'd grown up thinking was going to be suddenly actually didn't exist anymore. And so began a mass exodus migration um, of most of the people of my generation and the start of what I like to think of as the migration generation. At the time, we simply left. We didn't think of it as immigration because we just assumed we'd return one day. Um, I was 19 when I flew to the UK. I'd never flown anywhere on my own before. I'd never traveled anywhere on my own before. I'd never really lived on my own before or anything like that. Um, I went from high school to a boarding, a girls boarding hostel in Harare for a year. And then, yeah, that was it. Then I, I left. Um, I um, landed in the UK with £750 in my pocket. And I went to stay in a shared house with my um, stepsisters and some friends. Um, within the space of about five years, almost all my friends and family had left Zimbabwe as well, except for my parents. Most of us went to the UK, with Zimbabwe being a former British colony, a lot of us had rights to ancestral visas, which gave us a, a permit to, you know, a work permit to live and work in the UK for up to four years, after which we could then convert it into British citizenship, which a lot of us did end up doing. Um, those who didn't have access to an ancestral visa all got a two-year work permit, which gave them a chance to live and work in the UK for up to two years before having to return to Zimbabwe. Um, it wasn't just Zimbabweans who were leaving at that time. They were, you know, when we got to the UK, we, we found the community of South Africans, Australians, New Zealanders, all people of our age who had flocked to the UK to have this work-life experience, all, with, um, all had similar visa work permit situations as well. Um, we were at that age where you live, you work, you travel, you play hard, you meet like-minded people from all over the world, you know, we fell in love and got married and, you know, some of us stayed in the UK got married, had kids, settled down and never left. Um, a large number did their time, their four or five years, made some decent money and then moved home 
to or moved on to other countries like Australia, New Zealand, Canada. Um, and some of us returned to our roots, to the countries that we were born, but not everybody did that. Um, actually, very few, I think, did that. Um, so my story is not that different from most of my friends, or indeed many other people. I met my husband, Brad, in a South African theme pub in London. Uh, Zulu bar, that was it. Not uncommon, a lot of people <laughs> met each other that way. Uh, we got married four years later and decided to move back to Zimbabwe. My husband had been in the UK for 11 years and I'd been there for nearly 10. So it was 2010 and the UK was in recession and we were maybe just, you know, after you get married, you kind of think, okay, now what? Um, so we actually just made the decision to, we'd had enough. It was a really bad winter. It was absolutely freezing. I was shoveling snow off the driveway six weeks after it had snowed. It was that cold. Um, yeah, we were done. We wanted something else. We wanted the warmth of Africa and to be around our families again. Um, so we left. Um, we really did try to make it work in Zimbabwe. We were even in the process of building a house, which we hoped would be our forever home. Uh, we had visions of raising our slightly wild kids, you know, running barefoot on the dusty roads, playing in the sun. We'd want to, you know, we'd ride with friends and family on the weekends, and the kids were going to grow up in the same small town that um, I had grown up in, although significantly smaller because half the community, at least half, if not more, had actually left and not come back. But their grandparents were there, and there's a really special um, network of people and family and friends in, in Kodoma, where I'm from. Um, yeah, so that was supposed to be forever. You know, we had both our girls there in Avenues Clinic in Harare. Um, but eventually, you know, Zimbabwe is, has been in turmoil for many, many years, decades even. Um, and life just was very difficult. I, um, I was pregnant with um, our second daughter and um, we were trying to build a house and money just was, it wasn't stable and I craved some stability in life. So eventually I said to my husband, look, maybe we should look at South Africa as the next best thing to being here in Zimbabwe. And so, yeah, so he ended up getting a job in South Africa he actually started his job two weeks before our youngest was born. I was terrified he was going to miss that birth, but fortunately he didn't. And she was born on Father's Day uh, in 2013. Um, within five weeks, I was standing at the airport with my two tiny children and flying away back, you know, flying to South Africa to start a new life there. Um, yeah, my family were very upset, very upset that we were taking their precious grandchildren away from them. Um, and they were even more upset, I think, that it was to South Africa because Zimbabweans have um, this image of South Africa as being extremely dangerous. It's far more dangerous than living in Zimbabwe. Um, the violent crime and the th car jackings and, you know, just awful, awful things that you hear about, you know, it actually is a reality there. P possibly not to the level that a lot of people believe but it is a reality that is actually at the time anyway certainly was not the reality of life in Zimbabwe that sort of thing just didn't happen it still doesn't happen 
on the same scale, nowhere near the scale that it does in South Africa. And I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but that is actually the truth. Um, so yes, so my family were very upset that we were going, but I suppose in their mind, the constellation was that it was only over the border and you can actually drive from one country to the other within a day. You know, you can do it. So the idea was that we would get, we would go home to Zimbabwe as often as we could and family could come and visit us there. Um, so yeah, that, that's, so that was our next move from Zimbabwe to South Africa. Unfortunately, after six months there, um, my husband got transferred to run a construction site in Nigeria. And um, after living the fly in, fly out life for a while, uh, you know, I certainly, actually, I ended up going back to Zimbabwe because we were still building the house and I was overseeing it as best I could. And, you know, I, didn't, I don't speak Afrikaans. I really struggled to integrate into South Africa initially. Um, it was very lonely for me. So when he got sent to Nigeria, I ended up going back to Zimbabwe to my parents. Um, so yeah, that, that was hard. The 10 months that he worked there was really hard for us as a family. He missed um, our daughter's first birthday. We missed each other's birthdays. Um, it, was, it wasn't nice. I mean, he, to be honest, he actually, if you ask him, he really loved living, working in Nigeria. He enjoyed that. Um, obviously not being away from us also he says <laughs> um but yeah then eventually got transferred back to south africa so we went back to south africa and after moving around a bit you know we, we were in Jobu. we over the five years that we were sort of in south africa we moved a lot as well my husband's a civil engineer so he was always working on on road projects um so when a road is built it's built and you move on to the next one and we moved with him um, we eventually settled in Valcom in the Free State, and yeah, we were there for three years. Um, and I think that was it. Was only at that point that I actually felt settled in South Africa. So uh, we made friends, we integrated into the community. The kids went to school, and we really did actually love our life there. It was it was great um, until it wasn't. You know, there were many economic problems. Um, that we faced living there in South Africa. Um, school fees were extremely expensive. Medical aid was extremely expensive. Um, it got to the point where my husband, um, not that he had a job, but it was becoming difficult for him to do his job um, because of so many of the regulations that were being put into in place and um, mostly by the government, I should imagine. Uh, I'm get into that another time, I think. But um, yeah, he um, he had to be registered with a certain body, engineering body in South Africa, and they refused to renew his registration. Uh, and the simple fact is, it was because he's white, and they needed more black people to have those affiliations because you couldn't hold a certain level within the company senior management level, unless you had this affiliation. So, so for us, that was extremely unfair um, and really, really made us upset and angry. You know, he was there doing a job, he was already doing the job and then they put all these blockages in place. It just, there was, we didn't see a future for him career-wise there. So yeah, we took, we just, 
you know, everything was great until it wasn't. Uh, so then we decided to start looking um, at our other options. So we considered, uh, you know, there were so many people, and there are so many people who are leaving South Africa, especially from the construction industry, and moving to New Zealand. New Zealand are really recruiting uh, massively in that in that in, for that industry. So we were quite confident that we would get in. It wouldn't. You know, we've got British passports, but it wasn't. Um, we we were confident that we would get into New Zealand, although we still would have had to go through the immigration process. Funny enough, I don't know why we've just never really considered Australia. We've talked about it, but we never even really looked into it. I don't know why. Um, anyway, got, at the end of the day, I just said to my husband, so why are we even considering going to another country that we've never even visited? Either we go back to Zimbabwe and try again, or we go back to the UK and be, and just, and that's it. Because the girls are, well, at the time they were um, four and seven, no, four and six, and, um, or nearly five and seven and it's time to settle down. We didn't want to you know, disrupt them too late in their schooling again. So we sort of made the pact, famous last words, I suppose, that we would settle in one place. So we decided, you know what, let's just go back to Yorkshire. Uh, my stepdaughter is, was still here with her mom. We, we, you know, we traveled back and forth to see her and she came out to see us as much as we could. Um, but, and, I just said, you know, we need to be closer to her. Why are we wasting our time thinking of moving somewhere else? Let's just go back. Uh, and so we did. Um, we've been in the UK now for 18 months. Um, the girls have settled at school so well. I'm so proud of them. They are doing exceptionally well. They did have to catch up about 18 months worth of schoolwork when we arrived. Um, that's be, you know, because of their age, because of the age that they start schooling here in the UK compared to the age that they start school in South Africa, also based on the um, the time of the school year. So in South Africa, the school year starts in January, but in the UK, it starts in September. So if you work it backwards, they were about 18 months behind, but school worked really, really hard with them and they worked really hard, all credit to them, for um, they, they, they completely on the same level as, as their classmates now. So I'm really, really proud of them. Um, yeah, life here is different. It's cold, it's dark, it's damp. <laughs> um, we, but we are settled, I would, I would say. We are happy here. We have, you know, access to the NHS. I, we don't pay for school fees. Uh, we contribute to society. Uh, my husband works. I still stay at home with the girls. That's sort of, I think my family a bit spoiled, to be honest. <laughs> I, um, I'm always at their beck and call, almost, um, to help them. But, you know, that's, that's a luxury that we can afford to have at this stage of our lives for now. Um, so the question is, are we done? Are we done moving? Well, I'd like to say yes, because, I, like I said, I don't want to move again with the girls. I don't want to disrupt them from their schooling. It's really important to us. And it was one of the, the pull factors to move to the UK is the standard of education here. Um, it's, it's extremely high and that's what I want for the girls. I value education very, very highly. I want to give them the best that we can. And that is what we're doing in our opinion. 
So, um, yeah, you know, getting back to the whole, we are part of the migration generation. That's just our story. And I'm sure it's not over yet. Um, when I moved to London at 19, I lived in a house share with my sisters and friends from back home in Zimbabwe. Of that group of eight of us who lived in the house on and off over four years, my sister and I are still in the UK. Um, my, half, my stepsisters are in Australia. I've got friends, other friends who went to Australia. I've got a couple who moved back to Zimbabwe and are still there. Um, and, you know, some, some we just lost touch. But um, my, my cousins from Zimbabwe, they, um, some are in New Zealand, some are in Australia, and some are in the UK. Um, my stepsister has three daughters. I've met two of them. She's met mine, but I have never met my cousin's children, which is quite sad. You know, my girls are growing up without cousins. And I, you know, when I think of my childhood, I always think of my cousins. And I think it's just a, an effect of the migration generation, something that we all just have to live with. The fact that we don't, our children aren't likely to grow up the same way that we did. Um, it's just not, it's not the same world, though. You know, you can't really expect it to be the same. Um, the world is different. The world is smaller. We do travel as much, you know, travel, long distance travel is more of an option now than I think it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. But it's not the same as going around to your granny's house for a sleepover and watching movies with your cousins and getting up to mischief and grandpa starts shouting at you. You know, that, that's not the reality of life for my kids. And it's sad. I miss, I'm, I miss what never was really for them. Um, I do feel like South Africa is now facing a mass migration. Most, you know, highly skilled people are leaving South Africa in their droves with their families. I read a report recently about how there's approximately 25,000 people leaving South Africa a year. Most of those are highly skilled, wealthy people. Uh, they're mostly moving to the UK, Australia or New Zealand. It's almost like history repeating itself when everybody left Zimbabwe. Well, maybe not history repeating itself, but you know, it's almost like South Africa following in the path that Zimbabwe took in some respects. Um, people leaving, the economy becoming worse than it was. Um, you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom, don't get me wrong. South Africa is just, and Zimbabwe are both just amazingly beautiful countries with such diverse, um, you know, if you can go from Cape Town in South Africa to the Kruger to Vic Falls and in Zimbabwe and you know just the beauty of the country and the land and the people is is you can't deny it but living there for us just for us just wasn't the option um, but what happens is that whether you like it or not the South Africans in particular don't seem to like to hear why people have left or are leaving and um, they they can be quite nasty about it to a lot of, I've got friends who are immigrating at the moment and they say they don't even talk to their friends and family about it because the, the negative answers, questions, you know, people questioning them about why they're making such a decision, why are they leaving instead of trying to fix the problem? Well, I don't think one or two families, I don't think 25,000 families can fix the problem. Uh, and I don't, I do believe that the government who are complaining about high earning tax rents leaving with the highly skilled people that's the wrong thing they shouldn't be complaining about losing out on tax they should be complaining about 
the brain drain that is actually happening. Um, so maybe they should concentrate on fixing the reasons why people are leaving instead of just crying about what they're losing. Um, personal opinion, I'm sure it's quite controversial. Um, yeah, so, so personally though, my parents are still in Zimbabwe and my mom, I think would leave tomorrow if she could, but unfortunately she can't, she doesn't have a visa to come and live here. My parents are divorced. My dad and stepmom, I don't think my dad will ever leave Zimbabwe. Those of you who know him, John Kinnaird, you know he'll never leave. Um, he's just one of those who just made the decision to stay. Um, and that's what he's doing. So uh, the effect is of social media on migration, though, is that everyone thinks they have the right to an opinion and everyone thinks that they should have a say in what friends and family are doing. Um, you know, when I left Zimbabwe 20 years ago, social media wasn't a thing. People in Zimbabwe didn't track our, our movements. They didn't know what we got up to unless they saw us and we told them. That, thank goodness, mom didn't have to see all the walkabout benders that we were on. <laughs> uh, but now everyone is on social media, everyone. So when another family leaves South Africa and another and another or Zimbabwe, those people back home follow the journey on social media because it's our life, we talk about it. Um, and those who've left Africa still follow their friends and family back in Africa. You know, I get jealous when I see my friends posting pictures of their kids playing in the pool on a Sunday having a braai, um, that lifestyle is different for us. Yeah, we don't have that. So yeah, I mean, social media is great, but it also has its negative, it's definitely got a negative side to it. Um, why is it even an issue? Well, for the simple reason that when you move on in your life and you start a new life, everything is new, everything is foreign, and you talk about it. I, you know, obviously I'm gonna talk about how strange it is to walk my girls to school, How Free it feels to go to the woods on a Sunday afternoon with the family and just walk through feeling safe. You know, you might jump at hearing the, you know, the bushes rustle next to you, but then a rabbit jumps out and you're like, okay, well, it wasn't a lion. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm going to talk about that stuff on my social media because it's my life now. Um, some for some reason though, people in South Africa and Zimbabwe might actually get upset about me talking about that they think that by me saying things like that it's it's an attack on their way of life you know you would not go walking through the bush in, in South Africa you wouldn't most people don't walk their kids to school they drive for whatever reason but that's you know that's the reality um you know when and then the other side is is when I see you know another farm murders taking place in South Africa, uh, you know, if I see the news article on social media, I'm going to share it. And that upsets people from the South Africa. Why, how, I don't have the right to, to be sharing stuff on social media, do I? Why am I doing that? That's not, um, it's not my place. I left. So why am I sharing stuff like that? Well, I'll tell you why I'm sharing it because I'm trying to help raise awareness of it because uh, it might be something that happens all the time in South Africa. But it's not something that the rest of the world really pay attention to or know or care about uh, because they don't know about it. So me sharing it on social media is basically all I can do to help raise awareness of the problems. Um, similarly, you know, the, the hyperinflation in Zimbabwe, if I share a post about how uh, a 
tub of butter costs over $250. Well, don't get upset with me for sharing that post just because I'm not in Zimbabwe. I'm sharing it to raise awareness. So that's, that's all I can do. I can't send my mom $250 to pay for her butter. I can't do that because by the time the money gets there, it's probably $300. That's how it's going at the moment. So that's why I share that, that stuff on social media. Um, yeah, and why does it affect, why do, why do things like that bother people who don't, who are in South Africa? That's going to form part of my Migration Generation podcast. And I want to ask people, I already have some amazing guests lined up to, to talk to me about this. And we're going to talk openly, honestly about it and have a good conversation to try and understand the, the problems that, you know, this, this conflict that, is, that has become part of our migration generation um, reality. I want to talk to them about it. I want to know why. Why do you get upset? What are we doing wrong? How can we help? How can we make it better? How, and in return, you know, how can they help us and how can we help them? It's about information sharing and raising awareness and just having a conversation. Um, so that's, that's the direction that my podcast is going to go in. And that's my background. I hope you've enjoyed listening to that. I hope that you will subscribe. And yeah, I hope, I hope this conversation helps anyone, really. If one person listens to it and it helps them, then, then I'm, I'm happy with that. So if you would like to, if you'd like to get involved, if you'd like to be a guest um, going forward, please do send me a message or an email, or contact me on social media. Um, I'm going to um, run this podcast through my blog, um, momoftwolittlegirls.com. Uh, I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just send me a DM, and let's have a chat. Thanks, everybody. Please do subscribe to the Migration Generation podcast. If you'd like to be involved in this podcast and share your story and perspective on the migration generation, please do reach out to me on social media and we can set something up. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at mom of two little girls. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please do subscribe and don't forget to share it with your family and friends. Cheers for now. I hope you have a lucky day no matter where you are.